Hello and welcome to the Holtcast. Aston Villa's preseason has just kicked off. I'm James Rushton, joined again by Danny Raza. Danny, 3-0 over Minnesota United over in Minneapolis. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, we're going to win the league. Um, <laughs> good performance from the boys. No, I'm, 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 I just, I just, 3-0, 3-0. Uh, it was a, it was a positive friendly. We got to see some of our new lads out and playing. One big name, of course, big Wes, Wesley. Um, we got to see some other players, some of the fringe players from last season, try and turn up. Uh, some players impressing more than others. Can we read too much into it at this point? I would probably say no, uh, but either way, that Minnesota trip has been very, very positive for some of the United, for some of the Villa fans out in the states, uh, and also um, it's it's just been surrounded by by rumours everywhere. Uh, but I, I have to say, good performance, three 0 I'm glad we didn't get thrashed, or I'm, I'm glad we didn't um, lose badly uh, because this is all about fitness. Yeah, of course, Minnesota in the midst of their season, they had won their previous seven games, I believe. And it was a heavily rotated side. Um, I think I've heard comparisons. It might be an upper tier League One to mid tier championship side that they kind of put out. So Villa can be, they can be proud of their performance. It was a solid performance. They showed off a few new things, um, mainly the new players. Um, Wesley had his debut. Um, he started the first half for Aston Villa. They changed, you know, their, their 11 midway through the game. Wesley started off the match with Jack Grealish, um, it was you know it was it was really good to see actually Wesley kind of boss the game. He kind of got my impression from watching the first half because I fell asleep at halftime. Mm-hmm. Is that he looked positive, ready to get into it? And uh, I mean, there's not look, there's not a lot you can take from this, but that shot he fired just over the bar. It's yeah. a highlight reel shot. It's a good shot. It's a shot that registers. And uh, again, <laughs> I don't know what to say, but uh, no, I, I was fully really impressed by the way Villa applied themselves I guess I'm in front of an American audience an American audience who enjoyed enjoyed watching Villa Villa turn out man what were your uh, initial thoughts yeah again I mean it was it was positive and I think uh it, it, they're clearly out there in the states and enjoying themselves and I and I, and I love that um but at the same time very serious uh we I think we had quite a long well we started preseason quite late I mean we started it quite late but that's because we we finished last season very very late as well um got to see a new got the new got to see the new kit in action um, Jack Grealish again uh, w- was good to see him still looking like the key man in the team. Uh, we're going to need that to carry on, of course, into next season. Um, nice to see Henry Lansbury as well get on the score sheet. That was another thing which uh, w- which was positive. Uh, and I-, I think all around, I think it was just uh, it-, it was just a good performance. You can see the chemistry still there. They're going to need to play um, play a lot better, uh, obviously as. Uh, preseason sort of wears on. A lot of the other teams looking very, very ready um, in terms of the Premier League sides. Uh, a lot of them playing better opposition as well, uh, as it stands. So uh, we're going to need to get ready quick, um, if, if I'm being totally honest. But having said that, I think my two biggest positives, I don't know if you'll, descri- if you'll agree with me or not, James, uh, performances of Frederick Gilbert and uh, Hotter, who I, by the way, never doubted. Yeah, I didn't really buy into any of the hotter criticism. The guy looks golden. And I mean, he's not going to go into the Premier League and absolutely boss it, but he's a valuable player who will probably start for Villa. Um, I think people thought he'd be a backup. From my initial feelings and how he was probably one of Brentford's key players, I really don't think that's the case. I think he's certainly going to be competing for a first-team spot in that, that starting lineup all the time. I can't see him being a reserve or even that much of a rotational player. I think his that, that position seems like his. I don't know if it's going to be his just yet because obviously Olgarzi is, is, is going to be is going to be rooting for that as well, and hopefully, you know, um, not to mention any names, but hopefully a new winger who's going to be signing will also be looking to be in there. But look, Hotter, he's he's suited to the Premier League. He's very suited to the Premier League. Uh, he's he's a player who relies very much on his energy, which is going to need to be used in the Premier League. And if he can, and if he can keep that up. Uh, if he can run as much as he does in the championship, I, I can definitely see him causing some trouble. Uh, he's very much sort of a player in the in the David Silver mold, mold I'd say. Uh, and, it, and if he can kind of play that kind of role, uh, it, they do say that he's sort of best in the centre. But also, I really enjoyed watching him cutting in from the right hand side. If he can do that, and if he can run at Premier League defenders, you're always going to cause some sort of trouble. So uh, I, I'm very excited to see how he uh, does next season, and perhaps Frederick Gilbert and Diego Hot is going to be our right hand side. Gilbert's cross to Lansbury for the second goal. It was a peach. Um, mm. He kind of cut back and delivered it to 
you know, the outside of the box where Lansbury is waiting free. Great finish from Lansbury, but um, Gilbert, a lot to like there. And again, um, another player who impressed was Bjerke Bjarnason, who, yeah. you know, in his quote-unquote homeland, Minnesota, of course, a lot of Scandinavian, people from with Scandinavian descent from there, so it's like a home away from home. Minnesota Vikings. Um, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it's all it's all skull. It's all, you know, all the descents there, all the heritage is there. Mm. But uh I think um we sent two two writers. I mean it's really professional. I got to send two writers <laughs> to a game. It's really nervous because I was sending them and I'm not even awake if there's any problems. But they they had a great time yeah, and yeah. Villa Villa helped them out. Um so some staff at Villa helped them out, some staff at Minnesota United helped them out, and people from Birmingham Mail. I think it was Ash Priest, um, the the new Villa reporter there helped help them out, help them settle in, and uh, they asked uh, Bjarnason, "Are you like how do you feel to be back in your homeland?" Because it's a joke, you know. It's people of Scandinavian descent live in Minnesota, live in Minneapolis in that state. It's got a heritage there, and he kind of just didn't get it. Oh, right. And I know he has that face that is just like always kind of blank, like he's always holding his jaw. He always looks kind of angry or you, you don't know where you, where you stand with him. And uh, he kind of just had that stoic look going on. So uh, I, I hope they didn't feel that he rejected their question or didn't, you know, completely turned his back on it. But yeah, um, they got an exclusive with Bjarnason and an exclusive with Dean Smith that aired on our on our Twitter channel. We had a load of exclusives actually last week. We had too many. I was very I was very impressed with with uh, the way 7,500 Holt um, covered the game, I have to say. Very impressed with it. Was it. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was mad. I mean, I tried to dip my fingers into the pies with an exclusive. We'll get in, we'll get into that bit later. But we spoke to uh Eli Huff, who co- who covers Minnesota United, and he had time with James Chester as well before the game. And he was able to speak to Chester and kind of speak about the concerns about his injury. Mm-hmm. And James Chester seemed in a really good place with it, which is kind of the opposite to how we felt. We felt he's a right off now, he's done, he's done, he has to be done. But no, he says he's feeling really good. It's something obviously that will be monitored. But what injury isn't monitored? You know, I'm sure Jack Grealish's injury, his shin injury, is, yeah. is something that he's monitored. I, I, I've never sort of had any sort of. I have to say, I've had no emotion towards what's gone with James Chester purely because uh, I know it's a bad injury. But either he comes back into the team and he does well, or he doesn't. But I don't think anybody can make that guess yet. The only one who's going to know for sure is is James Chester and and Dean Smith as well. And I, I think part of that, you know, you you won't know until he's recovered. Um. So I, if if he comes back and he's anything close to the player he was for us in the championship, then hey, look, he might be able to force his way back in. Either way, I think he'll be more than happy um, to rehabilitate a Villa. Uh, and, and if next season it means he's going to need to, he's going to need to go. Um, that, then fine. But uh, I think the, the most important thing with an injury like that is just to take time, especially when you've got somebody like him in the dressing room. Um, he's going to be a positive influence either way. I think. Yeah, I'm looking forward to him coming back. It seems like he's on his way back. He played, um, I think, 45 minutes against Minnesota in that second half. So yeah, he's, he's able to be playing football to a fairly high degree. You know, it's not the most intense match he's ever going to play in, but he's able to stick it out without any injury problems. And again, encouraging, completely encouraging stuff. It was re- What was really encouraging as well is the fact that Aston Villa went to Minnesota United to play football. So many people from around the United States were able to gather around that match and, you know, sing, sing songs, sing the Villa songs, enjoy a really authentic Aston Villa experience. And I, I really hope that doesn't come across as patronising. But when they were doing that Alay, Alay, Alay chant, it sounds like the real thing. And I know what you might be thinking there is that, you know, of course it's going to sound like the real thing. How could it not? But it's that, it's that exact ex- Villa experience that can be kind of exported and enjoyed by fans across the world. And then you realise that Villa isn't just an English thing. It's not just a Birmingham thing. It's not just an Aston thing or a Great Bar thing. It's something that can be very easily picked up, flown across the road and just dropped there. And it's the same. Do you know what? I think Villa was so mercurial as a side. Uh, and I just mean sort of the culture of the club. I think we're a very sexy football club to support, if if I'm being honest. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, like, uh, apart from perhaps, you know, what's happened sort of in the last 10 years or so, we haven't got much sort of like baggage to our name, if you know what I mean. You know, we don't we don't have that dislikability that certain clubs do, and I'm not going to name any names or uh, or anything like that. I think the other thing is nobody really sees us as a rival. 
So I think for foreign teams sort of looking at a team to pick up, you look at Villa who aren't uh, super popular, you know, which which kind of gives us that sort of, um, you know, gives us that kind of hipster-esque image, I guess. And then at the same time, you know, we've, we've, we've signed so many players from so many different parts of the world. And I think in general, we have such a positive fan base um, that, that I can see why, why, uh, why people from outside of Birmingham would want to support us. I, I get it. Um, so uh, I, I think a lot of that is obviously to do with our history, but I'm just, I'm just glad to see so many American Villa fans out there and some of the most vocal of our fan base on social media as well. Um, coming out of America as well, and uh, and I absolutely love it, absolutely love it, uh, and I, and I think hopefully with the with the way that the game is over there and the way the support for soccer uh, goes over in America, hopefully we'll get the same sort of support for our for our Villa ladies as well. Yeah, I really hope so. Um, my my impressions from it is that my Aston Villa education, the way I've it, you know, consumed Aston Villa, it's mainly been through my dad, right but also the friends I've made who are mostly American and not domestic Aston Villa fans. Oh, really? Uh, people, yeah, yeah, people who founded the blog who we're making a podcast for, who founded 7500 to hold, the people who run the blog, the people who work for the blog, the people who tweet at the blog. They're mostly American, to be honest. And my education with Aston Villa, my experiences of Aston Villa have mostly been with the, with those guys with those guys and girls so my feelings on Aston Villa like my experience of Aston Villa isn't just a domestic experience I think and this is just me speaking from personal experience and speaking to others in my local area the West Midlands is that the identity of West Midlands football is quite dour like we, we are quite negative we are genuinely quite negative about things if things aren't going our way we are very vocal even if they just seem that they aren't going our way and actually things are really well. We're quite vocal and that's not a bad bad thing. But I found that the American experience is a bit more analytical and a bit more, you know, it's a bit more considered. Oh, yeah, for sure. The way they kind of interpret soccer. For it's sure. A bit more, it's a bit more thoughtful. So I think the biggest lesson I've learned from experiencing Aston Villa with Villa fans, with Villa fans based in the States is that I don't always go with my gut instinct and there is no, there's absolutely no problem, Danny, because I think you might be the same. You go, you, you know, you go with your gut, gut instinct, and that that isn't a problem. That that is not a negative. It's just that when it is a negative thing, you we we're going to be shouting and protesting and doing all sorts. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's look, there's nothing wrong with that. But and I'm not saying like I am absolutely superior or anything. But I think the way I've approached football is is Amer- very American. Part of that, and that's because of the people I hung out with. Yeah, and I, I think part of, part of that as well is is to do with. The fact that you're not in and around people in the city, you're not in and around Villa fans all the time, twenty four seven. You're not, you know, necessarily at the games because you know you're living in a different country as well. Which means that you, 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 you naturally you have to take a bit more of a considered approach, don't you? You have to kind yeah. of a lot of the thinking you have around the team, you have to you have to do for yourself. Uh, and I think that's that's the best way to form your opinions as well. I mean, obviously, consider consider the opinions of others. Um, but the, the last thing you thing you want to be doing is is bandwagoning and and, and just kind of um, taking something for gospel because a large contingent of the of, of a frustrate of a frustrated fan base, excuse me, um, are saying the same thing. Um, I think one of the one of the big um, examples was a couple of seasons ago. James, you remember with Josh Onoma, everybody sort of seemed to turn on him when he was actually playing really really well for us. Uh, and there's been players like that in the past as well. Idrissa Gay. Uh, if you if you remember that season, he was getting slated big time, and as soon as he leaves, you know people suddenly are kind of um, talking about how how great he was for us. And uh, you know, I think um, you have to take a considered approach when it when it comes to football because it can be very very easy to just um, just take part part in uh, group thinking. Yeah, I think it's it's incredibly easy to. And I guess where it comes from is if you're if you're not a domestic Aston Villa fan. It's not like your dad supported Aston Villa and you just sort of support Aston Villa automatically. Like you've had to experience that club through yourself and others because you aren't going to be the most knowledgeable about the club. You're not going to have any experience at all of the club. So you've got to kind of experience it through YouTube communities, through blogs, through Twitter, through social media before you're able to actually experience, you know, that get that game action. A lot of Villa fans who are in Minnesota wouldn't, have ever watched an Aston Villa game in person. Not that 
that's a bad thing. It's just to get to that point, how much of they've had to experience through others. And that I think lends itself to a considered and thoughtful approach, I guess. Yeah, man. I mean, look, look, look at look at the British NFL fans. Whenever whenever the NFL comes over, you know, just, just as you know, ju- they have just as much right to to kind of cheer for those sides as as anybody from those states in America. And it's also not to say that anybody's less passionate because. Um, do you remember that? Do you remember that uh, Chelsea fan from from India that's uh, that's that's been posting all those oh, sweary rants? Furious, isn't it? Yeah. Mate, you can be passionate. You can be passionate about a team. It doesn't matter if it doesn't matter what your connection is. If you have if you have some sort of emotional connection to a side, that's cool. That's fine by me. Um, yeah, that's that that's uh, that's how it should be. <laughs> it's, it's it's an incredible thing. It's just incredible to see those Aston Villa fans who deserve that authentic Aston Villa experience. It happening, you know, in pretty much in their backyard, and them enjoying it and just singing the same songs and just really, really living that villa experience. A lot happened in Minnesota. A lot happened. We've got to discuss so much. And um, firstly, I want to jump to Christian Perslow's thoughts because he spoke to a bunch of fans in Minnesota, and it was captured by uh, under a gaslit lamp um, that is run by Regan Foy, Mark Jerobe. Mark Jerobe, of course, went to the Minnesota game. And I took photos. He enjoyed it himself. But uh, they spoke while they were at a question and answer event in Minnesota with Perslow, Villa's CEO, of course. He's the chief executive. And he said kind of a lot of staggering stuff. And the main thing he said is, remember this time last year, Dan? Our football club, right? We were facing tax bills. Um, Steve Bruce was still the manager. Um, we were looking for new owners. And then rumours come out that we was having facing an Egyptian bid and an American bid. And then it came out that that bid was the same thing. It was an Egyptian and American bid <laughs> funded by uh, NSWE, which is, of course, Nazef Seriris and Wesley Edens. They they bought the club this time last year. Perslow said in that uh, in this event, and I cannot believe what was said, he said this time last year, we couldn't make a 4100000 bill to HMRC. Effectively, the club is bankrupt. If Wes and Nasef didn't put together £60 million to make that bid, pay the bills off, Villa would have been liquidated and the club would have had to start again. By start again, you mean being taken down the English football ladder to no exact location, uh, perhaps being renamed? Like in terms of, uh, in terms of their, their, their public company name, right? Yeah, so Glasgow Rangers. Um, I don't. The, the Scottish football pyramid goes goes far, and luckily Rangers were granted a passage back in that didn't involve them playing against a Sunday League team, which which what is what should have should have happened really. Um, but if that happened to Villa, we'd have been. I, I don't know. I don't, would they have given us League Two status? at the expense of someone else? Would they have given conference status at the expense of someone else? Because I can't see that happening. No, maybe. It would have been... I mean, possibly. Possibly, but... Can't can't make <laughs> Chances were, we would have been... Yeah, free promotion straight away from playing Sutton Coldfield FC, <laughs> which is just... It's, it's incredible, and it, I don't know where <laughs> I stand with all of the Tony Jard stuff, because, look, if he couldn't get his cash out of whoever he had it in the first place, that's, that is the worst possible scenario. Yeah, uh, alternative viewpoint. He sold up just in time. So, yep. <laughs> I mean, if he held on, we would have been. He'd have been holding on to absolutely nothing. It'd have been most wanted man in Birmingham, huh? If if yeah, that well, was Villa the Park case, would have been a block of flats. Yeah, Villa Park would have been a block so, of flats or a car park or something. This Perslow stuff, it was on the record, right? This is completely on the record. It was in a Q and A. And uh, under a gaslit lamp, they recorded his comments um, in the form of a podcast as well. So you can go and listen to it. It's called Gather Around the Lamp. Oh, brilliant. Um, they put the, the Christian Perslow. It's their 15th episode. Um, it came out July 17th, so just a few days ago now. Um, but I would listen to it because he's quite funny. He's having a beer. like He's, he's relaxed. He's chilled out. He's speaking about transfers, the fact that we might bring uh, one or two <laughs> more players in. Uh, two or three more to add. Uh, Listen here, so lads. He's quite relaxed. Listen here, lads. I don't want you to tell anybody else, but we we put in a bid for Lionel Messi. <laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't that relaxed. <laughs> 
But you spoke about the Fulham stuff. Um, on our site, we've got Dean Smith speaking about the Fulham comparisons of doing the Fulham stuff. Um, so there's a lot of stuff for you to actually read that comes directly from Minnesota, including some stuff I need to talk about, about Douglas Louise, mate. Oh. So Douglas Louise, um, reported by John Percy. This is the Brazil under-20 captain defensive midfielder, absolute ball player from the back. He has apparently agreed a move to Aston Villa for a fee of around £15 million from Manchester City work permit pending. I've got a few things to tell you, mate, that I haven't yet told you, is that when Aston Villa flew out to Minnesota, Dean Smith went to a bar, right, with Aston Villa fans, and they asked him about transfers. They're always going to ask him about transfers. And he said, okay, we've got about three, four, five signings that we need to make. And then they said, wait, what about Douglas? Would the news come out yesterday that Douglas is signing? What about Bjorn Engels, who was now signed? And he said, okay, then take two away because those guys, um, we've got them. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, yeah, he came out and said to a bunch of Villa fans that these are done deals. Then it turned out that Douglas probably isn't as done as Dean Smith said. And I was thinking, I've just been told a pack of lies here, haven't I? I've, had, I've heard the same thing from three or four completely underrelated people for, who have, for whatever reason, come to me and trusted, trusted me with that information. Can we clarify, right? So just because, you know, we've got, we got, we got to be careful here, right? So this is, this is fans that you know who have all... Yes. Who have all said that they've met Dean Smith. Yes. And he's told them this. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. It's crazy. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, but if Dean Smith says it's done... I'll, I'll side with him. Fair enough. I'll, I'll side with him. Well, John Percy's come out today and said it's a done deal, work permit pending. So all we have to do is wait for that permit to be agreed, um, which should be a bit of a formality, I guess. He's got a big fee. He'll be coming in as a starter. Can we, um, I think it's done. Can, can we also talk about the fact that you've transcended the in-the-know... Um, yeah, you've 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 transferred, you've transcended the in the no status, haven't you? British what? journalist what? James Rushton. Do we need to speak about Nakamba? <laughs> I, I don't know. Do we? Okay, so what Danny's saying is, um, okay, I wanted to get okay. Originally, I emailed marvelous Nakamba's agents, DW Sports, whatever they're called, what? and I thought, wouldn't it wouldn't it be really funny? If I ask stupid questions, why? And I sent them an email saying I, I'm I'm a journalist and uh, I'm doing this Aston Villa podcast. Uh, you can find me here. I'd really like to speak to the marvelous Nakamba. And uh, it took him a few days to come back, and I, I completely ignored it. This was before the Minnesota stuff. I got an email back, and I said, "Yeah, what do you want to know?" And <laughs> um, we'll be, you know, please ask questions at your pleasure. No, you got to be professional, James. You are a you are you are a, a professional writer. Exactly, exactly. So I said, hello, my name is James Rushton. I'm a quote-unquote journalist, and uh, I'll cover Aston Villa. I was recently pointed in your direction to find out more about Marvelous Nakamba's pending transfer to Aston Villa FC from Club Bruges. Would you be able to help me? Would Marvelous be able to answer any questions? Would you be able to answer any questions on Marvelous's behalf? Now, the website come back. It's the sports agency that represents him. And a bloke called William Bamada come back and he said, well, James, thanks for your interest on Marvelous and the Canva. Please ask me your questions with pleasure. I will try to answer them as much as I can. Please have a nice day. So then I said, thank you for your response. It's gradually, you know, this is a massive opportunity. Thank you. I just wanted to know about the potential move to Aston Villa. Is this transfer going ahead from Club Bruges? Uh, if it's not going ahead, what is the next step for the player? Where does the issue lie? And uh, is it an opportunity that the player is excited about? Then he came back and he was a bit disappointed. He said, I can't really answer the questions you've asked. Sure. Sure. I can't say what I can't say what the fee is. I can't say if there's an issue with the transfer, but the transfer is underway from Club Bruges to Aston Villa. <laughs> That's how you've <laughs> You've broken a world exclusive here, James, have you? It's not an exclusive. Um, the dream of Marvelous Nakamba is to play in the Premier League and he's excited to join Aston Villa. And I said, oh, this rocked me, right? I was like, okay, um, thank you for confirming. So Aston Villa have purchased a player. Could I could I write about this? And I said, yeah, um, but Aston Villa has not yet purchased a player. The transfer is underway. And I said, thank you. Have a good day. Wow. And that is that is that. So that is a that's agent speak. That is how these stories happen. 
because every transfer possibly you can think of is underway, whether it's happened or not, and whether it's a done deal is yeah. a completely different thing. I just said the transfer's underway, which it means a lot, to be fair. It does mean a lot. It means a lot of kind of weird stuff. It means where does it stand? Is it underway? Have they put it on the back burner because of this Douglas Louise stuff? Where does it stand? Are you, have you just reached out? Nobody really knows, but these guys know. They, they represent the campaign. They want to transfer, so they're going to make this news. Does this news benefit them? I don't know. But what we have to say about this is people choose not to believe agents for a very good reason, but they're not the only people who make stuff up about football because you get Sean Dyche saying that Aston Villa haven't put in a bid for Tom Heaton, and they have because Burnley rejected the bid. So why did he he say that? You know, people say anything they want. People, you know, sometimes these managers don't even know. So going back to Douglas Louise, Dean Smith might not even be in the know about this stuff. Like this was this work permit stuff might be just passing by. He just goes, he just signs off on the players and goes, yeah, I want them. You know, you don't you don't know just because it comes from the person who should know it. It doesn't necessarily mean it's true. So right now, there's there's. There's certain posts and there's, there's there's certain journalists who are talking about Douglas Louise. And from what we understand anyway, it looks as though it's gonna be down to that work permit, doesn't it? It's not it's not confirmed. The Douglas Louise transfer is not confirmed, but um it looks as though it's to do with that work permit. And was it one of his friends that posted that Instagram photo hashtagging AVFC? He's a personal trainer. There you go. I mean, that's that's gotta mean something, hasn't it? Exactly, stuff, you know, transfer stuff. It's really hard to pin down the person who knows the correct answer. You know, speaking honestly, mate, speaking from experience, this transfer window has been crazy because there have been people of Dean Smith's level at Aston Villa who've said certain things are definitely done, like Adam Webster, Calvin Phillips, Jack Butland have been definitely done, but these aren't Aston Villa players. And it's not that they're lying, it's just... The transfer, the, the way transfers work is incredibly com- complicated and it involves so many people. Definitely does not mean definitely, man. You could invite me to your birthday and I'll say I'm definitely coming and then last minute something might happen. Um, realistically, it's just because I don't want to go to your birthday, but uh, you know something uh, something could happen and I, I, and I don't turn up. So definitely never really means definitely. Um, and we, Especially we remember the transfer that. market, mate. Oh, no, of course not, man. Because you've got Dan James in a Leeds kit, ready to sign that contract. The contract, look, even if the contract's signed, it means nothing. The players have the power. If they don't want to go, they just rip up the contract walk away. The club can't do anything. The club cannot do anything. The players have the power. If you don't want to go to a club, if, you're, if your current club pulls you away, there's nothing that can be done. It's such a volatile thing. Dan James photographed in the kit ready to go as a Leeds player, pulled back by Swansea, then he sold the next transfer window to Manchester United. Joe Good Bryan jokes. at Villa. Yeah, as well. Joe, Joe Bryan, man. Do you remember Clint Dempsey a few years ago as well? This stuff happens so much. And these are done. Leroy Fur at Aston Villa in, in January. These, these things are done, but they're not. They're yeah. done, but they're not. It's it's incredibly hard. To, the amount of stuff I've heard, like you know, this Jack Butland stuff, this Calvin Phillips stuff, and it doesn't mean anything really until that player has played a match for Aston Villa or they're at training camp and they're definitely in Aston Villa. Mate, you until see play- the announcement's done, it's, it's nothing. You see players sign for one club and then move straight away within the same transfer window. I mean, look at look at Engels. You know, he's being linked to Villa despite just signing for his um for for is it Ren? Um, so yeah, you you had him sign for Villa straight after straight after signing for Ren. It is Ren, right? Uh, I don't know how to say it. it's R E I M S. Rem, Rem, it's Rem. Okay, so he signed from them. He signed for them and has signed for Aston Villa in the same window. So that club flips a quick profit on the on this player. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There's so much so much business that just passes you by that gets done. Is that t- is that not Honestly, technically what happened with Jovic as well? To an extent, but it's this transfer stuff is crazy. It is genuinely the most absurd thing. Because you get people who will treat the announcement is gospel right, but just because the announcement isn't done doesn't mean the player the deal isn't done. Mm-hmm. But the announcement is the official phase. But just because the announcement's not done doesn't mean the player hasn't signed. It's it's completely up in the air. At all times, it's completely up in the air. 
We're just lucky so, uh, we're having an exciting transfer window, man. I think everybody's just trying to figure figure stuff out, pretend they know things, and 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 all this. I think I think everybody's just kind of getting caught up in all of it. Um, and you know what? I'm here for it. So you guys get excited. Don't see don't well, see any reason not to. Bjorn Engels joins from was it Rem? Yeah, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Rem. And he is a powerful centre back, a goal scoring centre back, and he likely joins Aston Villa as a starting player. And uh, he's kind of, again, went massively under the radar because of how much stuff was was going around about Douglas. And other players, Aston Villa's first match, of course, he he really went under the radar. Kind of, uh, it's not like I forgot he existed, but when I was making depth charts, lineups and stuff, it was, you know, I had to be prompted to remember Engels. And that is kind of unfair from me. But he's an Aston Villa player. He's a player Dean Smith's pursued for a long while. And we have so many centre-backs right now. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? We had two last season, two at the start of last season. Oh, we've got Esri Konza as well from Brentford. Yeah, Esri Konza, uh, who I heard was quoted as being a future, potential future England centre-back as well. Yeah, by, by Dean Smith himself. Mm. So I'm I'm excited to see him play. Um, I, I hear he's he's very much like Twanzibi. And if that is the case, I can, you know, he's, he's probably going to fit in really well with Mings. But for once, you just do not know who's... Um, it's going to start at centre-back for us, which is crazy. And the other thing was, if you know, with Engels as well, he in the Premier League could be of much use to us considering that he is a goal-scoring centre-back. I also think that the reason that we have five centre-backs is because Dean Smith's going to perhaps rotate, uh, rotate with and possibly try out a cheeky three-at-the-back system next season. With the amount of players... I don't know if he fa- likes that system, but with the amount of players, you'd think. I don't think he does, but it's a sh- it's a it's an obvious thought, though, isn't it? With the amount of centre backs you have, but I think I, I still feel, I can't get it out of my head that one of them will be moved on, and it will be, you know, the only person you could really move on will be James Chester. And I feel I don't I'm not really comfortable with that idea because on his day, it's very easy to forget how good he was. Yeah, but I I don't think he's definitely going to get moved on. We don't know that for sure. I think it's it's a good idea for him to you know at least hold on to you know some of the defense from last season, isn't it? Can't can't just kind of throw in Mings and how and the we had for like six months and just expect that to stick together. I think I think Chester coming up to the Premier League, I think he'll want to he'll want to stick around. Maybe you send him out on loan, perhaps. I don't even know. That's not the answer, though, is it? It's like. If James Chester stays and he's fit and he's ready and he's the same player and he's according to what he says, the situation with his knee is fine. Like he is clearly very good and good enough to start for Villa. Of course he is. It's, it's so difficult. This this centre back situation is giving me headaches for all the right, all the correct reasons. And you keep forgetting about James Bree as well. I think Aston Villa have forgotten about James Bree. He's not going to be. I really don't think he'll be anywhere near um, starting at right back or centre back. He didn't cut it as a centre back, did he? I really wish we we gave him more time as a right back. Um, he spent some time on loan, didn't he? At Ipswich Town last season. I think we should send him out again. Just give him another chance. Definitely, like Almo's good. Almo re- was really good uh, yeah, under Dean Smith at the end of the season. Ball. Yeah, um, Will Bear is looks fantastic. Um, you know, he did. The defensive metrics kind of line up in that same vein as uh, Wan-Bissaka. I mean, Wan-Bissaka, of course, is levels above everyone else as a defensive right-back. But Will Berry is quoted as, you know, one of, was one of the best European right-backs. So I'm, I'm all for him starting. Almo's good enough to rotate and deputise there. But Bree's going to have trouble getting into that. Isn't it crazy that we signed Will Bear in January without a chance of promotion. Yeah, okay. Okay, that is that is a very good point. It's crazy. That's an exceptional point because you think him in the championship that's a, that should be a really good thing and what, what where was anyone anyone else and actioning these deals? <laughs> you know, where where is anyone else coming in for Wilbur? I mean, we haven't seen competitive football from him for Aston Villa, but from what we've seen so far, it's obviously 45 minutes. But based on what we've seen previously, he's a good thing at right back and he would have been an even better thing in the championship. It's crazy. 
Yeah, hundred percent, man. I'm 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 really really glad we signed him, and I'm hoping I'm hoping we see something from 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 him this season. I guess part of it as well is that you know Ken they ended up getting relegated, but he he he, he did give it a he did give it a very good go, didn't he? In terms of trying to keep them up, um, he was probably possibly yeah, that's the best. He stayed. Yeah, he tried Before to keep them up. They were close as well. They so, were close. Yeah, they weren't that far off. It came down to the final day, if I remember correctly. Um, one deal that's definitely not happening is uh, Daniel Sturridge to Aston Villa. It was uh, rumoured he would be joining in that Villa were in talks. I remember a lot of stuff said in the sun, really. Um, he won't be joining Aston Villa. And he's actually suspended until the end of July for, uh, I think it was helping his uncle, kind of, uh, or someone bet on uh, his transfer move to uh, Sevilla, oh, God. which obviously never happened. But again, this this goes back to highlighting the transfer stuff, mate. Daniel Sturridge's agent thought that his move to Sevilla was a definite thing, enough for them to place a bet on, and it never happened. See, I never believed any of the Villa stuff. I never believed that he was going to be he was going to be moving to Villa because it just makes no sense if you look at Smith's signings, right? Sevilla is a bit of a weird one too. Oh, he ended up at West Brom where he apparently scored a goal. <laughs> More than one goal, mate. <laughs> Plenty of goals. He didn't score one and uh, he won't be scoring one for Villa. He could still score one against Villa. Who knows where he ends up? Um, probably Major League Soccer, if uh, any indications to go by from where he lives. Of course, his poor dog got nicked as well, didn't it? Oh, God, to, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was awful. That was a really sad video. A deal that should be happening is Trezeguet to Aston Villa. Uh, John Percy confirmed an 8.75 million fee with substantial add-ons for the signing of Egyptian winger Trezeguet. Um, he's having his medical this weekend. It looks like a done thing. We'll wait and see. Official announcement should be coming soon. But man, Trezeguet, there's a lot to like about Trezeguet. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, he had a disappointing... Afri- I mean, look, Egypt, sorry, he had a disappointing African Cup of Nations, but for a guy who consistently stands out as one of, as one of Africa's best wingers, um, £9 million, if that is the figure, that's the one that's being quoted by, by, by a number of sources. Uh, I, I think it's such a steal. At 24 as well, you know, the potential for, for him to really kick on and improve. Uh, and, and a player who's confident in his own ability too. A player who who, who will dribble the ball forward and try and beat players. And he's he's very energetic. Um, I I I'm actually very excited to see how he performs in the Premier League. Uh, and as a left midfielder as well, I think it just it opens up so many possibilities for us. Well, I um I'm not going to say that. I am using data, but I've been trying to learn a lot more about data and its application in football. You know, in terms of advanced statistics and metrics and data visualization um the only thing i've gathered at all about trezeguet is because that because i'm a complete dumbass i can't understand any of it is that trezeguet really likes a long free kick from extreme angles pretty close to the touchline <laughs> aimed that goal yeah he's he's a bit like that he he will he will stay out wide like he's he's very good at uh at staying on the flag his his his, his ability to hold onto the ball is is very very good uh, yeah, that's team. another thing I noticed actually is that the work rate in his dribbles, whether they're successful or not, he he's always sticking his foot in for the ball. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. regardless of where it is, and he's always he's he's a direct runner, very similar to Anwar Al Ghazi. I think probably more so than Anwar is you know the work rate's there from the get go, whereas Anwar probably realised that if he puts in a bit of effort in terms of when he's lost the ball high up the pitch when he tracks back, he's allowed to make mistakes then. Yeah, absolutely. You earn the ability to make mistakes. You, you get into that zone where the fans aren't looking at those negative actions. They're just simply looking at the positive ones, especially if you're showing that work rate and you get a lot of leeway there. Which is why at first, for example, when he was first coming through, which is why Gabi Bonlahor um, worked well for us when he first came through, right? Kind of like just trying. I'm just trying to put some Aston Villa context on it, and and you know later on in his career, obviously we had a lot of managers who were like, look, don't don't try and beat the defender. There's no point. We need to we need to hold onto the ball. But actually, as you say, right, it's fine. Give it a go. If you lose the ball, it's fine. Win it back and go again because that's how you rip teams apart. That's how you exert your dominance on a team. And wingers are so so important to that. If you rush a defender, you're making them work. And if you're making a defender work, yeah, they're going to put put a few tackles in. They're going to put in a few interceptions, but it's it's about trying to catch them out. And um, I think you're, you're right. Anwar Al Ghazi's work rate genuinely improved late on in the season. 
um, and, he, and he tried to find his way through defences a little bit further, uh, a little bit more, uh, whether that was from the left-hand side or from the right-hand side. And I think Trezeguet is going to offer some of that as well. I think he's going to be a little bit of a different option. Quite possibly as well, he could be very similar to, to Albert Adoma um, in, in, in the sense that we're probably going to see him stay out wide. Yeah, of course. I mean, sticking to those flanks is something that's a bit appreciated when you're trying to stretch the play, like which is something obviously Aston Villa aim to do. They do like wide players who kind of cross into the box and aim for. Him. It sounds so simple. It sounds very Neil Warnocky, and it's there's a lot more thought that goes into Aston Villa's style of play. Of course, there's a lot more pressing. They in the Championship, they pressed higher. They had a higher line, but they do like to aim for that similar thing: is going wide, crossing into the box, and uh, a powerful header to score a goal. And, uh, you know, the combination of Wesley, those wingers, Will Bear, um, hopefully Trezeguet coming in, uh, Hutter, of course, Al-Ghazi, Al-Mohamedi, and uh, hopefully Matt Target. They've got the right rep- weaponry on the um, on the wings for this 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 type of action. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, 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 I'm very excited to see that we've got so many options now as well out there. I don't know if we're at one light. We're probably not. I think we should be okay, right? <laughs> Yeah, we should. I think we should be okay. I'm, I'm quite positive about this team heading forward. Um, so we're heading towards the end of the podcast now. Um, before we speak about tomorrow's match against Shrewsbury, um, which will only be a, a quick glance at it, really. It's Phyllis' first domestic preseason game of the, the preseason. Um, a bit of uh, news to speak about. There's uh, two bits I wanted to talk to you about. It's about former villains, I guess. Um, Steve Bruce was uh, announced as the manager of Newcastle United this, uh, this past week. Were you at all taken aback by that? A little bit, yeah, because he's not been the most successful manager over the past few years. I mean, if you're trying to hunt for positives as a as a Newcastle supporter, uh, you're you're going to be looking at Steve Bruce and, and saying he got a pretty, I know some people might say poor Villa side to to third place in the Championship. Okay, fair enough. Rebuilt Villa when they had financial difficulty. That's fine. Um, and he did. He did help with it, but turned out obviously that uh, we overspent. Uh, but looking at him as a as a Newcastle manager, I guess there's a couple of things that make sense. He's a Geordie. It's his boyhood club. Perhaps that means that he's going to be extra careful with them, and uh, perhaps it means that he's going to save them from from relegation. That's fine. My one problem with this is that Newcastle United aren't a team that needs saving from relegation. They've been fine. They've been mid-table in the Premier League for the last couple of seasons. There's no reason why they shouldn't be pushing forward. They're a big club. So I don't understand the hiring of this style of manager, especially when they've just let go of Rafa Benitez, who is an absolute sort of mainstay of the Premier League and and, and knows, uh, knows how to keep teams... Um, uh, knows how to, knows how to do well with teams uh, better than better than they should do. I mean, even that Liverpool side that he um, that he that he won the Champions League with, you know, wasn't the greatest side in Europe. But yeah, man, I, I just I just don't understand that sort of hiring a manager. They should have gone to somebody a little bit a little bit more modern. I don't want to criticize Steve Bruce too much. It's just that I haven't seen him do anything of note that that warrants him sort of being a Premier League manager at the moment. It's a bit, it's very unambitious to replace Rafa Benitez, who kind of developed this identity where he was fighting against the owner, where he is fighting with the Newcastle fans to hire someone who, honestly, from the outside, like if you're taking that job, are you just a stooge of an owner who, and again, it comes back to, to Newcastle United. What is the point of them spending any money to be successful? if the owner's making enough money from where they are right now, which is just not in danger, not succeeding, earning that Premier League money. It, it From the outside looking in, it's just, they just want to stay there. They just want to stay there and be a successful corporation, not a successful football club. I don't want to assume anything about somebody's character, but Newcastle fans are obviously very, well, a lot of Newcastle fans are obviously very upset at the style of, uh, the way that Newcastle's being run. And just on that point, it's perfectly profitable by the profitable by the way to just keep finishing mid table in the Premier League. It's perfectly profitable. It means you don't have to yeah. you don't have to put in any money, but uh, you're still getting that money back. The only problem is when teams in the Premier League are improving at such a quick pace, 
and you've got teams like Villa who are getting promoted and signing so many players, you can't afford to be making the wrong hiring. You need somebody who's going to make the best out of that team. I'm not sure Steve Bruce is going to do that. When you go from a player, when you go from a manager like Rafa Benitez, who you know has has a degree of of, of freedom, gives your players a degree of freedom, to to somebody who's going to try and instill a let's not lose attitude in the Newcastle side, I'm really not sure it's going to work. I can't see this. I can't see this elevating Newcastle any higher to where they are uh, from, from where they are, uh, and and in the same sense. When other teams are improving around them, I can only really imagine that they're going to drop further down. Doesn't seem massively promising. Um, we'll see, again, we'll have to see how it unfolds. Um, but Bruce is pretty positive at the prospect of managing Newcastle. I mean, why wouldn't he be? Um, but from the outside in, it just seems like Newcastle really want to stay where they are. And like, you know, you can't really blame Mike Ashley because he's been rewarded for this, and he's being rewarded by the fans who genuinely won't stop going because they feel that obligation to watch. You know the tune play. It's their it's their club in their town, and they want to pay for tickets and watch and play. But they're lining the pockets of an owner, and an owner who's obviously a successful capitalist. And to get to that position, you do have to do some damage, and you do have to not care about people's feelings. That's how you get to that position that Mark Ashley's in in England. Like you see all the Sports Direct stuff, the guy don't care. He doesn't care that Newcastle fans are upset, and that's just in this environment, relatively speaking, fair play. Like why would he care if they're turning up? What's you know, they're buying tickets, they're buying the, the shirts for whatever reason. They're they're addicted to supporting Newcastle United when it's the worst possible thing for them to do. Yeah, I think I think the thing I think the thing, to be honest, it just takes me so far aback is just the fact that, you know, they're they're in a they're they're actually in a good position. Like in I mean, perhaps not now, you know, now that Rafa Benitez is gone, but they've been doing fine in the Premier League. They really have done. But now like they don't have a striker, do they? I mean it's getting a bit No situation's looking a bit rough but uh listen it's gonna be as, as as a as a as a villa fan you know i un- i understand that like there's a there's a rivalry or a weird rivalry between us and newcastle but uh i wish them the best of luck i don't wish any sort of bad management on anybody um uh yeah don't know don't know what else to say really should we move on to another former villain? Then the last one we'll speak about is uh, Jordan Veratu, who has today completed a move to uh, Roma from Fiorentina. So his career is on a slight upward trajectory ever since leaving Villa. He's gone up and up and up, been performing in the Europa League. Now he'll be joining Roma, who have ambitions of kind of kicking on in Serie A. It's a good move oh, big um, for Jordan. Yeah, he's joined the Twitter champions, hasn't he? Uh, big, <laughs> big, big signing. Uh, I mean, it's, I, I'm, I'm really, really glad for him because he's. Um, he's managed to come out of one of the worst seasons in Premier League history. Not his own, right? But he's come out of, a, of playing for a team who had one of the worst seasons in Premier League history to somehow get a move <laughs> over to Fiorentina and then impress so much in the Serie A that, um, that, that a Champions League club have decided to come in for him. And fair play. Um, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see how he does for Roma and I, and I hope it wins him a, Fr- a France cap eventually. Really do. Yeah, um, of course, he was uh, highly rated at under-21 level. Um, he's been linked with a move all summer. It's an initial loan. Um, this is how Italian football works. There's always loans. There's always one or two or even three-season loans that eventually turn into a deal. So this is a definite transfer. They're loaning him for a season and definitely buying him next season, which is just another one of the crazy ways Italian football works. Um, £14 million pounds is the fee. £14 million? Yeah, okay. Very cheap. Yeah, it's very cheap. Um, he was linked to AC Milan earlier in the transfer window for 30, 30 million euros, which is around twenty-seven million pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, even then, I thought that's a good price. It's linked to Arsenal as well for a big, uh, for for big money transfer at one point as well, James. Yeah, but uh, it looks like Roma have got the deal done, and uh, Veratu's can career he just on and upwards constantly. And I think Milan would have probably been better than Roma. Um, just because I like Milan. Yeah, I thought it was, uh, there's definitely a role for him there. Um, but Roma is just as good. Um, we'll see how that progresses. It's one of the Villa players, by well, the former Villa players, I've been following with most interest. I've completely lost track of Amavi, Ayu, um, Idrissa Ganagay. Um, but Jordan Veritu, I've always been very, very interested in. And, and for some reason, Rudy just dead as well. Is that some, uh, is that some Syria, um, Syria bias in there, do you reckon? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Carlos Sanchez as well, because he played for Fiorentina, but he didn't do all that well. And he went to West Ham and just never turned up again. Um, but Jordan Veritu, always been very interested in it. It's good to see him get a big move. Um, but yeah, we'll go back to Villa. We'll finish the podcast. Tomorrow we play Shrewsbury, mate. I'll be speaking about that with Cole Petham, talk Aston Villa after the match. And we'll be looking ahead to the, the next couple of friendlies. But Shrewsbury, it's Villa's first, first domestic friendly. Um what are you kind of looking out for? I mean, it's pointless sporting about speaking about results and player performances to an extent. But what do you want to see from Villa tomorrow? What do I want to see from Villa tomorrow against Shrewsbury? I want to see Andre Green and Scott Hogan put in better performances. I want to see I want to see better from them. I want to see Andre Green really push himself, um, especially. I'd love to see Henry Lansbury as well keep up the good work. I mean, same with Berkey Bjarnason. If it, if they can give Dean Smith some stress. I'd absolutely love it. I think Shrewsbury as well are going to be more up for it than we are. You know, them being um, them being a lower league team, they'll want to they'll want to get a win over us as Midlands rivals, perhaps. Uh, and uh, with, with that being said, I'd really like to see the uh, re- see the defense's chemistry sort of start coming together a bit, because uh, you know, as we as we've said, uh, totally totally new defense basically. So uh, I'd like to see some solidity there. I'd like to see them start calming down. Um, and I'd like to see the first goal for Big Wes. I think that's uh, that's another one of the key things for me. What about you? Yeah, again, first goal for Big Wes. I'd like to see uh, Callum O'Hare probably step up his performances. Yeah, because Villa do need Villa needs someone in his mould to really step up because otherwise it's going to be Lansbury and Hurrahan who have to do that. And I'd rather O'Hare be in that role as a Jack that rotation with Jack Grealish if necessary. And uh, he wasn't. I would say he wasn't brilliant against Minnesota. Um, a lot of pressure on him call it off against Shrewsbury. It's his level, right? He impressed for Carlisle. Um, he can do he can do a job against Shrewsbury. So let's see him do a job. He'll be better players against Shrewsbury. I want to see him perform. And if there's any negatives, I want him to I want to see some fight from him as well. Um a goal from Wesley would be good. Some more from uh Will Gilbert. Um Al Mohammedi. Um I don't know if he's back yet because he's only really just finished um Egyptian duty right. So he'll be Far off. Again, re- something I really want to see is uh, Bjarnason carry on. There's a real story with Bjarnason. He's almost like he's the guy that keeps coming back and just won't give up. I love that. Absolutely love that. Could he be on you, Alan Hutton? I mean, I mean that in the most positive way. Yeah, I, honestly, um, I, I'm pretty impressed with the way he carries himself. Um, he doesn't really sulk, even though it seems like his face is kind of always sulking. Um, stellar goal. Uh, Minnesota, of course, gave far too many players far too much space. Um, but we'll see. I think there's a, there's got a bit there's a space there if he really wants it. There has to be because uh, Douglas Luiz hasn't yet yet fully signed. Um, kind of Horhan's a defensive midfielder. There is a space there. There is definitely a rotation space there. If he really wants it, he can get. It. Yeah, he's, he's there's rotation there as well. He can play in any any space in that midfield. If Villa ever need to go with a wing back, if ever Villa ever need to play with wide midfielders, he's there as well. Look, I mean, if he wants to, if he wants to fight it out, if he wants to stay at the club, I've got no problem with him sticking around, considering that you know he puts in puts in so much effort, and I think we need that kind of attitude around the club. So, just in that sense, I like him. Well, yeah, man, I'll finish on that note then. Looking forward to tomorrow's match. We'll be speaking about it on a podcast after. Looking forward to the friendlies. But yeah, it's been a delight to speak to you again, mate. You can follow. Danny at Raza Journal. You can follow me at Jamie Rushton all together at 7500 to halt. And we'll be back very shortly, actually, tomorrow. So see you then. Goodbye.